0: Hey everyone welcome back to this week's episode of game talk radio i'm your host greg and not with me today is john unfortunately our work schedules have just been bonkers and it's been really hard to cross coordinate and get all figured out and i love having him on here ever since he's been on here i just really love the show and i think it's been better um but unfortunately you know i have to do it uh, since next week we're not going to have an episode for sure so i needed to get one out this week since we missed it last week and again it was a scheduling conflict last week too so it gets to a point where when we have scheduling conflicts like we just have to i just have to make the call you know and so this week i made the call flying solo we're gonna see how it goes i haven't done this in a while by myself so we're gonna see i you know I'm, i'm pretty experienced when it comes to to doing this by myself i had done many many episodes by myself um but you know you get used to having someone else to bounce off of so we're gonna see how it goes john if you're listening man you you are missed for sure uh, so with that being said, we got, a, we, we got a double dose of GameStop news today, and one one is kind of good but interesting, and the other one is really, really bad, so we're just going to talk about both. Um, I've got my Game of the Week picked out, I've got my Pickup Pile of the Week, and we're going to be in and out pretty quick this week, but I think it's going to be a good one. Uh, next week we won't have an episode because I have to work, and after that I have to go pick up my PlayStation 5 pre-order. So I will not, uh, ironically enough, at a GameStop store. Uh, <laughs> so, uh, but, but yes, um, there will not be an episode next week. So I really wanted to get one in today. And, and one of the stories was actually going to be our story last week because it came out in time. So it's a little bit dated. Uh, but there was a GameStop story and then another GameStop story popped out. Like, well, you might as well just talk about both. So if if you're sick and tired of all the GameStop hoopla, then you might want to move on. might want to fast forward like 45 minutes in (laughs) to an hour in and then get to the games of the week, pick up pile of the week. Or if you don't want to stick around, I understand. I like to think the GameStop stuff's pretty interesting though. I I think we have such an insight on it that it just, I want to, I want to like reveal to you a side of that company and of the inner workings of that, that you may not know. And so hopefully every time we do a story like this, you get a little bit of our insight, but it also kind of, is a peek behind the curtain, if you will, of what GameStop itself is and and, and was and will maybe be in the future, but probably not. (laughs) So with that being said, I'm going to queue it up and we're going to tackle this sucker. And here we go. So first about the podcast today, like I mentioned, we're going to be talking about GameStop. We actually have two GameStop stories, but the first one, the more recent one, is the story uh, that that broke a couple days ago. And basically, it it was spotted on the GameStop website that they want to hold a TikTok challenge to make the best dance video, and your store can win some prizes. Okay, that sounds pretty good. I mean, there's nothing wrong with that so far, right? (laughs) Well, you know I wouldn't be talking about it if that were the case. (laughs) But it doesn't sound too bad. Like, yeah, they're gonna do a TikTok challenge. Get, get the, get the managers getting their teams amped up. You know, get, get your, get your crew ready. Get them, get them excited for the holiday season. Um, and and get them raring and ready to go. Okay, that sounds cool to me. Well, what are some of the prizes, Greg? You may have just asked. Well, let me tell you. Uh, well, maybe I will here. Okay, here we go. Here, here are the prizes. They would receive, you can you will receive two Amazon Echo devices, a $100 Visa gift card, and 10 additional labor hours for use during the week of Black Friday. Insert record scratch here. What, Greg, what are you talking about? What are 10 additional labor hours? What the hell does that mean? Well... If you're new to the podcast and you don't know what that means, because I've talked about this ad nauseum before, but I want to explain it again because payroll is very interesting at GameStop. Now, it's different now. It has changed, but so I can only explain it from how I was there, but it's very similar to how it was when I was there, except now the managers, the store manager counts towards the hours when I was there. It didn't. So, for instance, every week you are given a set amount of hours that you can schedule your people. Your hours as a manager do not count. Now, that was always kind of scummy because if you needed to work, like if you needed extra hours, their expectation was the manager would just work. Now, this is, again, when I was there. This isn't how it is currently. And so an extra 10 hours of payroll would mean you'd have extra coverage that was not the manager, him or herself. And what's always been frustrating about this was the number one complaint of probably every manager, every employee since the beginning of time at GameStop was not enough payroll. Every meeting we ever did, someone would always ask it, not jokingly, and we'd all groan because the upper management did not want to hear it. The middle management did not want to hear it. Hey, are we going to have extra payroll hours? Hey, can we have payroll hours to train new employees? No, you don't. So you have to take hours from another employee that knows how to work to teach an employee how to work, right? (laughs) So, so payroll has been a thorn in the side of every GameStop manager forever, as far as I can remember. And, and so, and, and, and every year it keeps going down. So like my first few years there, I mean, GameStop would pull something along the lines of like, they'd give you like 110 hours for the whole week. But if your manager hours don't count, that means you get 40 hours of an assistant manager, 40 hours ish of a third key. That's an assistant, assistant manager, if you want to think about it that way. So that's 80 hours and you still have 30 hours left over. So say you have three part-timers, I'll get 10 hours. You have three part-timers, maybe you give two 15. And then the third one, you don't give anything to because they don't have any availability or whatever. And so imagine then just getting an extra, you basically, when they say you get extra payroll hours, you get an extra 10 hours of that total, say of 110. Now, when I left the company, they were pushing as low as 87 hours per store. So I went from a store getting 110 to 115 to getting 87 as as a baseline. Uh, I've heard that they went even lower than that. I heard 80 hours for a while. Now with all the changes to um, overtime issues and and like salaried employees, you can't do that anymore. So the, the store managers have to count towards the hours. So they just adjusted it and it's fine. It's not really any different. It just looks a little different. And, and here's, I want to explain lastly, before I go into like all of this, I want to explain one more thing about payroll and it's ultimately it's GameStop's theory that cutting payroll means instant money savings because it's quantifiable. And I say this all the time and, but this is the truth. If you cut hours, like say you say every store has to cut 10 hours and they would do this. They, they, they would give you an email on a Thursday and say, Hey, you're not meeting your sales. Or, hey, the, the company needs you to cut to save some money right before a, a, a call, like a, an investor call or something. Everyone cut 10 hours. And imagine if every store at that time when I was there, it was about 6,000 stores. So imagine 6,000 stores cutting 10 hours of payroll. That's 60,000 hours of payroll. Imagine the average worker probably makes 10 bucks. You know what I'm saying? So now we're up to saving $600,000 like that. Okay. Right, it's quantifiable. You could put that on a piece of paper, and you could say, "Hey, look, stockholders, we just saved you half a million dollars by cutting payroll." Now, what you can't quantify about that is how much business you're losing because you don't have enough employees on the floor to help your customers, and that number is not quantifiable. So they just ignore it. <laughs> they don't. They don't. They don't look at the number of how much more stuff is stolen because you don't have enough employees to watch your product. They don't care about uh, your employees being so burned out from working by themselves that they're not pitching extra things. They don't quantify. They, they can't put that number uh, into a real scenario, and so they don't. Uh, but what's the one thing they can do? They can cut payroll. So long story short, payroll is the bane of every manager's existence. It's the most annoying thing in the whole world. When I worked there, they didn't trust us as managers to know our business well enough. They divvied out the hours. You know, you could I, I could look at them and say, hey. Let me make a schedule. I can tell you how many hours I need and let me be responsible for that. They didn't let you do that. That's not what they wanted. They don't want that kind of individualistic manager. They want that, you know, that cut and paste cookie cutter manager. And and I'm not saying now, just to be clear, I'm not saying that the people working there are cookie cutter managers. I'm just saying that that's what they want. Okay. And they discourage that sort of free roam sort of, um, you know, free thinking, outside the box manager they don't want that <laughs> I, I know from personal experience that's not what they want they don't want uh, uh that that person setting a new tone they want someone who just follows directions that's it and that's fine it's a corporation it's a big corporation gamestop grew very quickly they grew very large very quickly and to adapt to that uh you had a lot of growing pains and growing pains that led to policies that stuck forever even as now they're shrinking and so when when you would have a contest, right? And and I said this earlier to somebody because someone brought this up to me and I said earlier to them, I said, if this were a local contest, right? Like if the district manager, district leader, as they're called now, district leader said, hey, whoever, whatever store gets the most hours or gets the most pre-orders this week, I'm going to give that store an extra 10 hours. I, I, I'm not going to give them a hard time about that. That's a, di- that's a district leader making a decision trying to get his team motivated. I'm kind of like arms in the air, whatever, who cares? But this is at a corporate level. This some, someone at corporate thought this up, put it, not only thought it up, probably pitched it to someone else. That person said, that sounds cool. And then they rolled out the idea. I don't understand. First of all, I don't understand how GameStop has so many misses when it comes to this PR stuff. I just don't get it. They completely missed the COVID Uh, response. They're completely tone deaf to their standing and how they look in the eyes of the average consumer. And it wouldn't be that hard to turn it around, you know? Now they've got some quirky GameStop Twitter account, you know, social media manager who's making funny quips and blah, blah, blah. And you're like, you know, that's not what you need. You're trying to rebuild a reputation, right? You need a little softer touch than that. Don't be like Wendy's and like be the, go in there with the bruising social media. That's not, that's not what you need. So the first thing I have to say is when you offer this at a corporate level, 10 additional labor hours or payroll hours, we would call it here. That tells you that corporate knows that payroll is a pain in the ass. (laughs) They, They know, they know that their payroll sucks and that everybody wants more hours They know it so much that they offer it as a prize in a contest. It's just crazy. I mean, I I look at this and I just I can't get over how tone deaf they are. And and look, the thing about doing a TikTok challenge, while it might be a tad bit cringe, it's not a bad idea. You know, like I love that recently they've had stores making their own Facebook pages for their individual store. And then they have them trying to get message out to local. And and, like, that makes sense to me. A social media presence makes sense to me. TikTok, really big with younger kids and and, and people who love TikTok. It's not a bad idea. The prizes are the bad idea. And again, Amazon Echo, $100 gift card. That's all good. Like, Like, that's cool. Oh, and 10 additional payroll hours. And I'm sure someone at corporate, again, just thought, this is great. Just easy, easy to throw out there. But it's so tone deaf. It's so out of touch with the current climate that they exist. And, and I think that's what's so frustrating to me about this. And so after all that's going on, they've already, they've already gotten the flack for it. They've already taken the heat for it. So they're out. <laughs> GameStop's already deleted off the page and they're already not talking about it. Um, the article goes on to say, Imagine what you could do with those prizes. (laughs) Companies holding deeply embarrassing internal events is nothing to be surprised by, the article goes on to say. But GameStop's offer of labor hours as a prize puts a fairly dark twist on the contest. The company was asking people to dance for the chance at winning the ability to get paid to do more work. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> it's not a great look and a better option would s- certainly be to properly staff stores on black Friday. So that the extra labor hours, isn't an appealing perk in the first place. I mean, that's basically what I said, that's the article going on here. So this is the actual, um, you can see this on YouTube. Unfortunately, my podcast listeners, you're, you you can not see this, but I'll, I'll read it out to you. So there's like an internal sort of, um, I don't want to call it a messaging system. But there's like an internal computer system that the stores access. And you get this. This is where you find important documents. They can update the stores faster. When I worked at GameStop, your computer updated every night. So they couldn't do anything in the middle of the day. Like if they had to give you a a, a piece of important information, you got it the next day in an email or your district manager would would get that information to you. So, uh here's the tiktok challenge it says ever thought i could do that tiktok challenge well the event team is launching a tiktok dance challenge sponsored by incisive check out the dance here be creative rope in your team and have fun with it don't worry you can't look as bad as the event team does and it tells you november 2 through the 4th upload your video here november 5th return here and cast your vote november 6th the winner will be announced Instructions, open TikTok and click the plus at the bottom of the screen. <laughs> Search for Red Wine Challenge. Why they call it the Red Wine Challenge? I don't, I don't get that. Uh, click the song turntable on the bottom right corner. Click the record. Use the sound button. So they have to basically teach people how to use TikTok in case you don't know what you're doing. Which is fine because I wouldn't know how to use TikTok, so it's fine. The winner of the challenge will receive an Echo and Echo Auto, $100 gift card, and 10 additional labor hours to use during Black Friday week. Imagine what you could do with all those prizes. <laughs> so uh you know i don't really have much else to say about that except it's just one other botched chance at at a really positive thing you know and and i and i i have if you're this is your first time coming across my videos i worked at gamestop for 11 years and i do not wish for their demise i never have and i probably never will i don't want them to go away i want them to get better OK, I want I want GameStop to be better and I don't understand how they can't ever, you know, like I, who does not understand this? the event team came up with this and gave payroll as a prize. And now here's the thing. When I was working there, you know, 15 years ago, 16 years ago, none of this stuff was leaking like this. You didn't have YouTubers dedicated to, to dumping all over GameStop like you do now. You don't you didn't have, you know, bloggers and. Jason Schreier's and you didn't have these people who were looking, looking for a story like this. Well, now you do. So now it's more important than ever to pay attention. It's more important than ever to not get hung up on these details and, and not not make these little minor mistakes. And And a lot of this has me wondering, is this the effect of all the corporate layoffs they did last year, the year before? Like, is this what we're down to is we're down to, you know, the, the cookie cutter, the, the, the early people that were making less money that they, they shaved, they trimmed the fat quote unquote, as as they say, you know, and these are the people left over. They're the ones making these challenges. They're the, they're the ones setting up this idea, you know, and it's, you have to wonder almost if, is this just one of those things where it doesn't matter what GameStop does, they're going to get crapped on. And I don't think that's right. I really don't. I mean, I, when they, they did a really great, um, recently they were doing like a, and they still have it going on, I believe where you can round up your purchase, donate money. I think it's to St. Jude's great cause, great way of going about it too. You know, I'm glad it wasn't something stupid like, Oh, you know, pre-order this or get this subscription again for, it. we'll give a dollar for, it. you No, know, they didn't try to tie it into that. They just said, Hey, we'll round up your change and donate it. That's great. I love it. I love it. And I gave them praise for it then. And I gave it praise for them now. But this is like, this is business 101 games. There was a time when GameStop was untouchable. I was there. And the reason GameStop is failing is not because of the used game market. And then it can't somehow like stand up to the current video game buying and selling climate. My store now is proof of that. I opened my store. I left GameStop 11 years ago, opened up my own video game store. I have increased my business 25 to 50% every year since I've been open. This year will be the first year I don't. But we were closed for two months. (laughs) So I wasn't expecting to. So you can't tell me that the biggest video game company, dedicated video game company in the world, couldn't figure it out. They made missteps. And that happens. Every company makes missteps. Circuit City made a bunch of missteps. They never recovered. Toys R Us made a bunch of missteps. They did recover. But they got picked apart and then the, 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 the balance came due on their debts. And then lastly, you know, GameStop's made some missteps and then made some more and then made some more and then just keeps making them. And and it's really sad to me because I see that logo. I'm looking at the picture now. I see the logo here and like, it brings back great memories for me. You know, it's in my store. I still have my like GameStop manager of the year award. You know, I, I keep that. Uh, it's, it's a proud moment for me. They taught me the skills I needed to open up my own store. I'm very proud of that. I'm happy with that, um, but <laughs> I it doesn't excuse the, the bad decisions they keep making. And this is such a small thing in the grand scheme of things, right? And they've made some great moves, like I talked about this a few weeks ago, with teaming with Microsoft, changing the way you sell consoles, sticking it a little closer to the idea of cell phones and software, you know, money paid on software sold on cell phones, uh, now being done the same way with video game consoles. Great idea. Very smart love it. I don't love this. And, and, and I don't understand why payroll is always still an issue there. Well, yes I do, because I explained it in the beginning of the video. It's quantifiable. It's the one thing that they can cut and save money like that. And, and it's cutting payroll. And quite frankly, it's, it's crappy, but yeah, so I, I could go on about GameStop for like for hours right (laughs) but nobody here wants to listen to that for hours (laughs) so I mean you do kind of but you don't but you do you kind of do uh, but you don't and so with that being said though I have another GameStop story to talk about so I'm going to cue this one up and then we're going to go into this one and then when we're done with that you know John's really disappointed that he's not here tonight because we really wanted to have a conversation about the games of a generation Like, looking back at the PS4, Xbox One generation, what were the games that defined that generation? And we're going to have that conversation. In fact, we'll probably have it when we come back. Because here's the tough part. If we don't do it, we're not going to do one next week. The week after that, we'll probably do one. And then the week after that is the Wednesday before Thanksgiving, so we probably won't do one. You know, it's, it's it's, it's such a weird time. But I would love when John gets back in here after next week, I want to have that conversation because there were some incredible games this generation. That was John's idea. This was a great idea. Uh, and so we're going to have that conversation as well. I just don't want to have it without him because one, it was his idea. <laughs> and I, he'd be really pissed off <laughs> if I did that. Uh, but two, I want I, I want his insight on that. Uh, and, so, and so we're going to have that conversation. It was supposed to be this week. It just didn't work out. And that's okay. But I didn't want to deprive you all of another top-tier Game Talk Radio episode just because John couldn't make it, you know? I got I got to take care of my peoples out there, you know? John will understand. I'm sure he's listening to this right now. Hey, John. He'll understand, and he'll be back. Let's we'll get it figured out. So, like I said, uh, I want to talk about my next GameStop story here, so I'm going to cue this one up as well. We're going to talk about it on the other side of that. I've got my Game of the Week. I've got my Pickup Pile of the Week with a very interesting addition, a piece of hardware, that I got in before the console release. And uh, we're going to talk about it. So so here we go. I'm going to queue it up. We're going to go. So next up on the podcast, like I was talking about earlier, we're going to talk about GameStop again, but this one not necessarily in such a negative way. A little bit, because I do struggle to understand what they're trying to do with this. I mean, I can explain to you a little bit why they're doing it, but also I think they're doing it poorly. But the headline It's actually from October 27th. This is a week ago. GameStop will no longer be gutting games as part of its store display of new games, leading to generic boxes on shelves and less displayed games. So if you don't know the term, gutting is what's referred to as when you take the insides of a game out, store the insides behind the counter, and then put the empty case on the shelf so no one can steal it. It has been the way of GameStop forever. It was the way of software, etc. before GameStop. It was the way of Babbage's before software, et cetera. It was the way of Land. I mean, every, every, that's just the way it was when you had anything that you could take out. Obviously the older you get when you got into just cartridges, I don't know. I guess maybe they did empty boxes and put like empty Super Nintendo games on the shelf. I don't know. I wasn't there. Uh, Kevin might know. <laughs> CC games might know. <laughs> if, you, if you listen to this man, like chime in, hit me up on Twitter. Um, so they've basically said they're no longer going to gut games. Now, there's a couple interesting reasons about this. One, they would do this with brand new games. Okay, so imagine this. You go in to get a brand new game at GameStop. You take the case up to the shelf or up to the counter off the shelf. You hand the employee the box and you say, I want to buy this game, please, and say, okay, cool. And they go, in the ca- they go in the drawers behind them. They pull out a sleeve, a white sleeve or yellow sleeve, white sleeve, it has a disc in it. They pull the disc out, they pop it into the case, and they give it back to you. And you're just kind of like, well, what the hell is this? Like, this isn't new. This is this is opened. And are like, oh, well, it's new, as in their definition of new, which is it hasn't been sold before. And and they actually got in trouble for this years ago. There was a class action lawsuit, and GameStop had to give everybody who bought a game like $5 off or something. I forget what it was. It was, it was stupid. Lawyers made a bunch of money, I'm sure. Customers got $5 off. Kind of stupid, but it was—it's kind of a garbage practice, (laughs) you know. Um, in my heyday, when GameStop was at the top of their game, when you pre-ordered, you know, a hundred copies of a game and they sent you two hundred because they were confident they would sell that many. I mean, there was a time when that company was top of the world, and so if you wanted, to say, you had a new game coming out, like let's say Madden, right? So let's let's say roughly Madden two thousand five. I remember this launch very well. I actually drove down to Louisville, Kentucky to pick up the copies early, and to get it back to our store to beat street date by a day. Madden 2005. You want to make a big, bold display, right? We're we're in Green Bay, Wisconsin, baby. You got to have the you, you got you got football country here. Everybody loves the NFL here. So you got to make a big wall display. So what do you do? You you got thirty copies of that game. <laughs> You take 30 copies, you open the plastic, you take the disc out, you put the disc in an old sleeve, you put the sleeve in the drawer, and you hope it doesn't get all scratched up in there. So, and then you have this beautiful wall of a million copies. Now, you got 30 copies, but you got 100 behind the counter. So no big deal. You're selling sealed copies still left and right. You're happy. But once you get down to the last 30 copies, you start putting the disc back in the case, put the full case back in the drawer. So when you sell it, you end up selling that copy which is essentially open. Now, as someone who worked there, I understand the process. And I understand that they didn't have a better way of doing it. You know, you go to Walmart, all their games are behind a glass case. These are items that are highly thefted items. Is that a word? Thefted? Well, it should be. Highly thieved items. <laughs> they're stolen a lot. Why? Because there's easy to turn around. There's lots of little mom and pop stores that buy games. Games are popular. You can go on marketplace, a million ways to sell video games. Walmart has them behind huge glass cases. Target has them behind huge glass cases. Best Buy has them uh, with like spider wrap or whatever it is, the the plastic things. And then they have sensors at the door. So there is like it is a highly stolen item. So they had to do something right now. They could have invested in glass cases. They could have invested in, you know, some sort of wall display that you unlock the wall and pull the copies out. You could have done something like that. Sure. But GameStop opted to do it the way they've been doing it. And you know, if it ain't broke, don't fix it. I guess even the lawsuit didn't deter it though. (laughs) Like even getting sued for it, didn't change it. That's fine. (laughs) Whatever. Um, So this new plan is to no longer gut games, which is a huge fundamental shift for them. This is something that they they've been doing for 25 years. 20 years i mean gamestop's only been gamestop i think since mid 2000s so i mean 15 years ultimately but they were doing the practice at software etc babbage's and funko land before they all you know before they bought funko merged and created gamestop and then eventually bought EV games so this is a fundamental shift for them It's, it's very interesting But like many things recently, I just can't wrap my head around the way they've decided to do it, you know, because here's the thing. You could reach out to all those publishers, right, and say, hey, if you want to sell your game in our store, you have to give us rights to make a printable cover or you have to supply to us, you know, 6,000 to 10,000 printed sheets that we can put boxes of your games on our shelves. Okay, I mean, that seems reasonable. Ask of a company, you want your game on our shelves, you have to give us a display box for that game. Eh, maybe, I don't know. Half of GameStop is just advertising now anyway. Companies pay lots. I mean, I think half of what the money GameStop makes is probably advertising money (laughs) over actual profits from selling games. That number I just pull out of my ass, by the way. I don't actually have the number on that. If somebody does, I'd love to hear it. So, however, they're not just not gutting games and putting display boxes out. Here, here's, the, here's the tweet from cheap Ass gamer. GameStop will soon stop gutting new games and will instead have generic boxes for the customer to take to the counter. Only the top 200 best-selling games. Everything not in the top 200, you'll need to ask if they actually have it now since there will be no box on display. No box on display at all. Now, what's interesting about that is GameStop did, when, when I was there in the early to mid-2000s, I mean, I was there up until 2011, but in the mid-2000s, I remember talking to my regional director, regional leader, they would be called now, and I remember saying, I remember them saying that GameStop put a lot of research into how well games sell, right? They paid a company to look at how well a game sells when it's faced out, when you can see the cover art, right? And how well a game sells when it's bookended or what we call spined, right? So if you ever go to a GameStop or if you come to my store, because my store is a replica GameStop from the mid 2000s, <laughs> um, you'll notice that we have a bunch of games faced out and then we have a bunch of games bookended or spined. They're not the same games. We face out what we can. The thing is you don't have enough wall space to space every to face everything out. If you could, that'd be amazing. Just imagine every game faced out. It's so much easier to, to sell a game to a customer where they can see the cover art. But say, for instance, my PS2 section. I've got to have... Man, I don't even know. I've got to have two to 3,000 PS2 games. I think we've... Like, individual titles we probably have... If I had to guess, probably a 1,000 individual titles for PS2. I think we face out maybe 50. <laughs> maybe 50. So that means that there's like 900 games that are bookended and they're bookended almost to to eye level. Like we have very few faced out. Those numbers are probably off. It's probably closer to like 600 individual titles and like 30 or 40 faced out. But the idea is the same. We don't have as many faced out as we want because you don't have the room for it. And also you have to take into account a category that doesn't sell as well. You don't want to face out a bunch of games from a category that's kind of dead. When you have a category that's selling really well, you want to face more of that category. Right, so you want to face out more PS4 than you face out PS2 because PS4 sells better currently. PS2 is making a comeback though. The collectors are finally, finally catching up to PS2. Um, so they did a ton of research on what sells better and why, and it was something like three to one or five to one. A game that's faced out sells better than when it's bookended. That's incredible numbers. That's it's it's huge. It's hugely important. So imagine how much more. So so say if a game's faced out, it sells, let's say ten copies a day. I'm again, I'm just fudging these numbers, but ten copies a day, which means if it's bookended, it sells about two copies a day. How many copies do you think they're going to sell of a game that has no display at all? This really underestimates the patience of customers. Have you ever gone to a store and you can't find something, so you just leave? because you don't want to ask for help. And by the way, GameStop's got low payroll, so they don't have a lot of people working. If you're there, there's seven people lined up at the register, one person working their butt off. Do you think you're going to wait around to ask if they have a certain game in stock? You're not. Spoiler, you're not. You're going to leave. (laughs) And you're not going to ask them for that inventory. So if you sell two copies of a game that's bookended, 10 copies of a game that's faced out, what are you selling? Easily zero a day to maybe one if someone comes in and asks you for it. It's It's just... bad and so I understand why they're doing it so here you have to understand why they're doing it because it's not totally crazy the idea is they don't have enough space to face out all their games or to even display all their games Uh, GameStop's been making a lot of strides this year to reduce the number of SKUs that they sell if you look on their website a lot of common used games and I know this because we compare our prices to theirs to make sure that we're competitive with them You'll notice that they're paying a penny for a lot of trades right now. It's because they're not buying the game. If it's penny, if the price is a penny, they're not buying it. So they're going through their least sold SKUs, and they're just not carrying that game anymore, which I will also tell you is a huge mistake, mostly because the whole point of doing well is having a huge variety because you never know what person wants what game on what day. And so I think it's a miss. I understand that it might help keep your store not bulked up, helps trim down like the, the the look and display but have you been to gamestops lately they look half empty for crying out loud pack that suck uh, pack that sucker you know pack that place man i don't get it i don't get it so they but but that's the thought right is that they don't have enough room in their stores to face out everything but here's what i ever about gamestop it's also why they never carried retro stuff anymore they didn't have the room for it in in their words they don't have the room for it so, if they don't have the room for it, then, you know, th- then like they've gotten rid of the old retro games to make room for the new systems. They don't really carry any PS3 or 360 anymore, very little. To make room for PS5, it's not like there's that many PS5 games. There's not that many Switch games that they have in stock at any given time. The sections are pretty small. So, it's just one of those things that should be more transitional than that. I, I know this from experience. I have a store that carries everything from Atari to ps4 and nintendo switch so an xbox one of course but i'm just saying nintendo switch being the latest console we sell so that's 1977 to 2017 and beyond okay so if i can fit 40 years of video game stuff in my store so can they but again like i said earlier a a good chunk of their stores is sold as advertising so they they'll make more money on a four foot section wall that they sell to Sony to advertise the PS5 then they will selling PS3 or PS4 games it's just the truth and that's fine that's a business decision it's fine but it, it goes against what they're trying to do which is get back to being that place to go for gamers because their decisions have never been about what's right for gamers and to be the best place for fans of video games it's always been how to make money and that's fine but there's a way to do both I, I truly believe that and so The interesting thing, and I I wish John was here today because he's actually who told me this. So I'm going to do the best to recite what he told me. But he talked to a manager, a store manager, about this new relay. Let's call it the fall relay where they're kind of fundamentally changing the store. And so it's not just, and here's where it gets bad. It's not just the top 200 best-selling games that you have in the store. You're going to have display boxes in GameStop stores that have the top 200 best-selling game boxes on the shelf whether you have the game or not so you're gonna walk up okay and it's gonna be one box so you'll have one box it'll have two stickers on it new and used one box cyber let's say cyberpunk right cool cyberpunk um it says new is you know 59.99 used is 54.99 okay cool take it up to the counter uh i I guess i'll get a used one i guess it's cheaper right oh we don't have any used ones did you want to get a new one yeah, yeah. I'll, I guess I'll get a new one. Then I, I don't know why the sticker says the used price, but okay. I mean, if you don't have one, I'll take a new one. Sure. And they go, okay, cool. Well, we're out, uh, so then they ring you up. <laughs> now this is a hypothetical, I know, but bear with me on this because this is a very possible situation. They'll say, okay, cool. It's sixty three twenty nine after tax. You pay, and they say, okay, here's your slip. Uh, we didn't have any in store right now, so what we're gonna do is we're actually gonna ship a copy right to your house at no charge. So, uh, so you already paid for the game. It should be your house in three to five days. And so you stop in your tracks like, whoa, 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 just hold the phone. What? Now, I know what some people out there are going to say, especially somebody who might work at GameStop and then hears this and they're going to go, Greg, we're not going to do that. That's shady. We're not going to do that to people. Well, that person listening, you, you, sir, or ma'am may not, but the shady store manager who's just tacking on Game Informer subscriptions and just tacking on pre-orders, that person's going to do that. Because they're gonna you're gonna get tracked on it. <laughs> and you're gonna get your bonuses based on it. And so it's gonna be one of those things where people will find a way to manipulate. And so that really frustrates me. It frustrates me that they're gonna have boxes for games they may not have. And they're 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 kind of doing that right now with controllers. They have display boxes for accessories that they may or may not have. They just put the accessory box on the shelf. So if someone walks up to the counter, like, hey, I want this controller. Oh, we're out of controllers right now. Well, then why is this box on the shelf with this price sticker on it? And I, and I get, I know I'm going to get some flack from my friends that are still managers there, but like, you know, I'm right. You know, you, you know that it's annoying to you that you can't just tell the customer you're out of controllers. And I know you can't put the controller out there live. I'm not asking for that. I'm just telling you that you don't have to put out empty boxes. I just think it's silly. I just think it's silly. And it, 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 it misleads the customer and upsets the customer. They get upset. It upsets the employee. (laughs) Like it just, everything GamesUp does lately just seems like it's just done for max amount of irritation (laughs) at any given moment, you know? (laughs) And it's just, it's wild to me. Just wild to me. So it's an interesting thought, right? That they thought, hey, let's, let's do it. Let's do a positive. Let's stop gutting brand new games. Okay. Well, we're going to put display boxes out. Okay, and in fact, there was a time they tried this before. Um, actually, I, I worked there around, this was early, it's like 2000, 2001, software, etc. Took, basically had a cover, a slip cover, for every single game ever made, put into a brown cardboard box, sent it to us, and we would make display boxes for the games. Now, I'm trying to remember if we did it for every game automatically, if it was just for games that say, like, we didn't have a case for, like, say... Someone stole our display box. We could make a display box. And I remember it's actually kind of funny. It's neat because one of the games they had in there was the game Thrill Kill for PS One, which never came out. And I remember thinking, "Why is this in here? <laughs> like, why? Is, why? Why did they make a cover up for Thrill Kill? The game never existed. I mean, technically it does exist. It just never was retail released. It. There are a few copies leaked out to review um, copies and stuff like that. But. So there was a time when they've tried stuff like this before. And I think ultimately it's just a pain in the ass. So they don't want to do it. But it I don't know. I got to be honest with you. I just, I don't like it. I don't, I don't like the possibility of having display boxes for things you don't have. And so it's just another one of those things where I like the start of the idea. And then you hear how they're implementing the idea. Well, it's freak out here. Hit my, hit my microphone. Uh, and you don't like the implementation of the idea. Um, and so, you know, it's just, uh, and what, and, and the manager that John talked to also made comments about how they're going to get more things going on in the store. Like you're going to start seeing, let's see, oh, that was a bad link. So you're going to start seeing things like, oh, they're going to have more TVs with more displays. Again, another way to sell more marketing. And so GameStop is taking away the actual games they have in the store to sell you hypothetical items and to advertise to you and again it just it just seems like a miss another another whiff another misstep in, in what seems to be a never ending just long long road of missteps over the last few years it's just it's, it's always wild to me I don't know I don't, I don't know how I don't, I don't know again who at corporate's like that's the way to go baby <laughs> let's do it we did it yeah, we're GameStop. Ooh, I almost slipped into my Camelot voice there. <laughs> just, uh, that's no good. You know. <laughs> you don't want that one. Oh, Camelot. I'm not going to do it. <laughs> I'm not going to do it, even though at the store we do it all the time. So uh, it's it's out of control, man. It's out of control. Uh, So like I promised, I have my game of the week picked out. I've got my pickup pile of the week, which is a couple weeks worth of pickups. So we have some pretty substantial items in here. Pretty, pretty happy about that. And then one of the items I'm going to do a little quick in-depth review for y'all here as well. And that's it. And we're going to pack it up. We're going to be out of here. So nice, nice short and easy one for you guys this week. I'm not going to, I'm not going to drone on and make you, you know, drag this thing out. Nice and easy, nice and quick. So with that being said... My game of the week this week is a little game called Shadow of Destiny for the PS2. And it's a Konami-published, ultimately I guess you could call it a survival horror game, but it's not. It's it's a it's an action detective game. <laughs> um, Shadow of Destiny is very weird. You, you go to an area and you die. And then you have to figure out what to do to not die again. And so you do walk around, you talk to people. It's like, it's a puzzle game. It almost reminds me of like an Indigo Prophecy, except it's not quite as cinematic as that. Um, There's 10 chapters, uh, multiple endings, different ways the story can play out, full voice acting. It just was a really unique game. And Shadow of Destiny for PS2. Check it out sometime. It's it's a Konami-published Japanese title brought over here. Another one of those just kooky PS2 games. That uh, well, I don't know. That, that, that's awesome. So I don't know. It's PS2, kicks butt. Let's go get it. So I'm, I'm moving my mic arm around a little bit here because I have to get to my pickup pile of the week here, which is ma- which is massive. I'm not kidding. Let me let me organize it a little bit here. Didn't didn't do my pre my pre organization. So I gotta gotta get my games separated. That's how many is that is that bad when you have so many games you gotta organize them? No, that's not bad. Yeah, it's bad kind of bad. Is it bad? Not bad. Okay. (laughs) So we're organized. All right. Um, so first up, I picked up a copy on the 3ds of resident evil mercenaries 3d. One of my favorite modes that they added in resident evil games recently was this mercenaries mode. It's basically like a wave based multiplayer and it's super good. It's just super fun. So you fight like waves of enemies um, as you get through faster, like you kind of run through levels. Each, I mean, each iteration is uh, is different a little bit. Revelations Two had a really, really good one, and you could do co-op with friends. And so it's just they call it Mercenaries mode. They call it Raid mode in Mercenaries Two, and it's just a really fun sort of like multiplayer version of a Resident Evil. Think of it as like Horde mode in Gears of War if you ever played that. So it's pretty fun. So I got a copy of that on 3DS. On regular DS, I got a copy of Dementium. The ward uh, on the front of the box. It says, "This is Doom Three meets Silent Hill." Um, the it's made by the Gamecock Media Group. <laughs> uh, that's fun to say. Uh, and it's it's basically a first person survival horror game for the regular DS. Uh, it looks kind of kind of crappy, but that's kind of the charm of it, I think and so uh, it was published by Gamecock Media Group but all created by Renegade Kid just to clarify so if I have any listeners from the studio Renegade Kid I apologize I just wanted to say Gamecock Media Group a bunch of times Um, next up on my list Uh, so I actually had gotten this before and forgot to mention it on one of my pickup piles but I hadn't opened it yet and so a used copy came into the store and I snatched the used copy I got in my copy of Super Mario 3D All Stars Um, I don't like having sealed games at home And I don't like opening games. Because it's hard for me knowing that the new value is more than the used. So it's hard for me to open a game. It sounds so stupid. I know. Even saying it sounds stupid out loud. But that's the truth. So uh, we had a used copy come in. I took the used copy. I swapped it. I took the new copy back to the store. And we sold the new copy there. Uh, Next up on the Wii, I picked up a copy of Broken Sword Shadow of the Templars Director's Cut. Now Broken Sword... I have this on PS one and I'm not sure if it's the same game. I'd have to look into that, but basically it's one of those old school, like point and click adventure games. Uh, this one, this one apparently is a two player co-op mode. <laughs> um, but, uh, yeah, it's just, it's one of those old point and clicks. Uh, it, it almost has that classic, like Lucas Lucas arts games kind of look and feel to it. And it's dirt cheap. I mean, it was like six bucks. I don't know. For six bucks, I'm not letting I'm not letting that get away. You know, not that anyone was probably going to buy it anyway. But you know what I mean. Uh, next up, this is a game I'd already gotten on the Sega Genesis, but I got my PS4 copy and finally it's Xenocrisis. It was a it was made for Genesis and Dreamcast, and the, they also put it on PS4. Uh, so I picked up my I got my physical copy of that from the German company Strictly Limited Games. Um, and then I got uh, a copy of Prey for the PS4. Uh, it's like my understanding and I haven't, I played a little bit of it on, on a uh, PlayStation now just to test it out, but I didn't get anywhere substantial. It's made by Arcane studios and it's basically Bioshock in space. That's how people like to refer to it as. And so I'm um, a little bit of horror, but mostly just like a good sci-fi, you know, adventure. Uh, so I want to play that. That's actually really high on my list of things I want to play, but you know, there's like a billion things coming out. So you just... You know, you pick and you choose your battles. So uh then I got some PS1. Actually, let me do this one. I, I picked up, <laughs> finally, even though <laughs> if, if you if you just listen to this, like last episode, we talked about the worst launch games or games we almost bought at launch. And I told a story on the Dreamcast about how I pre-ordered a game called Blue Stinger. And I called it Blue Stinker. And after I played the demo at Software Etc., I went, ooh, this game stinks. And I changed my pre-order to Soul Caliber. Obviously a much better game. Very happy with my decision. All was well in the world. Well, we had a mint copy of blue stinker come in. So I, of course I had to buy it and put it in the collection, not because I like the game, but because I have a story about the game. Does that make sense to anybody else in their planet earth? Probably not, but Hey, welcome to Greggy. <laughs> welcome to Greggyville. Um, and then I picked up another dreamcast game. This is a, a horror, very weird horror game called ill bleed. Um, Here's the back of the box, just to give you an idea. Imagine, if you will, a berserk B-movie horror film producer with a twisted sense of humor who puts up a million bucks to anyone who can survive his seven movie-themed worlds. It's a bloody mess of mutant monsters, over 1,000 traps and items, and abject terror fused with B-movie humor. It doesn't sound very good, (laughs) you know, but... uh... Uh, let's see, Illbleed delivers a badly needed transfusion to the been there done that horror game genre okay, whatever you say whatever you say boss Uh, next up, I'm on to PS1 games I got a physical copy of Mega Man X4 I had 5 and 6 I didn't have 4, finally a nice condition copy of X4 came in, so I got that added to the collection even though I already have the Mega Man X collection, so I don't need it but I have it And then, lastly, for PS One, I got a copy of Toe Ball Number One. Um, (laughs) (laughs) I don't particularly care much for this game, okay? But on the back, they had Akira Toriyama. Akira Toriyama did art for the game. That's the guy who does Dragon Ball Z, Dragon Ball, Dragon Ball Z, and did the art for Chrono Trigger. And you know what I mean? Like the dude's done a bunch of art. He does the art for Dragon Quest. So, like, I love his art style, and so I have it. Uh, and then, of course, this is a double disc one where it came with a second disc, which was the Final Fantasy VII interactive sampler disc. So, there's a couple reasons I want to collect this. One, we have Toriyama art and a Final Fantasy VII preview. So, there's a couple reasons why I would collect that. Toball number one. The game itself is fine, you know, but it's you know, it's whatever. <laughs> it's, it's not worth buying. Unless you're me, of course. And then uh, second to last, I got a copy of Bucky O'Hare Minton Box for the NES. This I'm very happy with because this actually came into the store, if you can believe it. Most games, Minton Box, this is a $200 plus dollar Minton Box NES game. These don't normally walk in the store. And this one did. And the guy who sold it to us, he brought in his Nintendo in like 10 games, some in box, some not. And had this and said, hey, this is my original Nintendo when I was a kid. These are all my games. Just wanted to bring it in and and sell it. And he was very happy with what he got paid for Bucky (laughs) O'Hare. And I was more than happy to pay it because I knew it was coming home with me. So it was pretty great. And then lastly, so this is the item I was kind of hinting that we were going to go a little more in depth with. But I got in my DualSense wireless controller for the PlayStation 5. Uh, I took it out of the box, of course. I've been really wanting to get my hands on this thing for a while because the 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 dual sense controller i've seen pictures of it i saw the way it was kind of shaped and it was a little worrisome for me i was a little nervous that maybe the game wouldn't be great or i see me the controller wouldn't be great like it just looked a little off to me like it might have sharp corners or something i wouldn't like so i took it out of the box right away and i fell in love with the damn thing right away Everything that you could complain about with the PS4 controller, in my opinion, is fixed. They don't have that crappy charging mini USB, excuse me, micro, mini, mini micro, mini USB. They don't have that crappy mini USB charging port. It's USB-C, feels firm, feels good. The triggers, like the haptic uh, or the, the dual sense triggers, like they feel like good triggers now. They don't just feel like shoulder buttons. And the PS4 did a lot to address that compared to the PS3. The PS5 is the next step further from that. Just excellent. And and just everything about it feels good. It's got good texture. It's rough. The controller itself has like those little embedded X X triangle, sorry, cross triangle square circle buttons. And it's got a built-in microphone. The touchpad's nice. The light bar is not obnoxious. I love the thing. It's not glossy anywhere. Uh, except where the face buttons are, but those are crystal see-through, so it's like you're getting it all fingerprinted up. I love this damn controller, and I haven't even used it yet. I just pulled out of the box and was playing with it, but it feels like the natural extension of the DualShock 4, and so I'm very happy with it. So just a really cool controller. Uh, if you get the Bluetooth, the 8-bit Bluetooth adapter, it can actually work on the Switch, <laughs> which I'm going to probably start using mine because I bought an extra one, and then I'll have one coming with my PS5. I'll probably use one for the Switch and one for the PS5. Um, but really, really nice controller and who boy, I, it, I, I was a little worried about it and I have no worries anymore. It, it's just a, 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 really finely made controller and I don't normally gush about that stuff. I said this on Twitter, you know, I was like, I don't, I don't gush about controllers. I mean, I just, I want to know what's comfortable, but I'm not going to like lose my mind over it. And I'm kind of losing my mind over it. It's, it's that good. So it's, it's, it's that damn good and that's it that is the podcast for today everybody i know it's a little bit of a shorter one but i appreciate you coming and sticking around and uh and if if you missed john this week i know y'all did you know tweet out at him at dryer combo let him know that uh let him know that you missed him make sure we get him back on um (laughs) not that we're not going to (laughs) um or you could tweet at me i'm at game trade greg Um, I had, I had a listener question I was going to use last week and this week. Um, I didn't get to it. Ryan, if you're listening, I will get to it. Uh, I have not forgotten. Uh, and so I just want to say thank you as always, man. I appreciate you guys putting up with us. Sorry we didn't get an episode out last week. Really did have the plan to, um, but like Mike Tyson always said, you know, everyone's got a plan until you get punched in the mouth (laughs) And, and, uh, while not actually punched in the mouth, uh, you know, like work, work sometimes just gets crazy, gets away from you. And as much as I love doing this. It's not like a full time job or anything, and uh, you know the store is always going to come first. Uh, but anyway, I so appreciate all of you. Remember, you can follow on Twitter. I'm Game Trade Greg John's at Dryer Combo. You can subscribe on uh, YouTube. YouTube.com/slash Drop Rate. You can follow us on Twitch at Twitch.tv/slash The Drop Rate, and uh, look on and listen to this podcast anywhere you want. You know, if you're on SoundCloud, jump to iTunes. Uh, Uh, what the hell spotify uh google podcast what the hell ever you want you can do whatever you want free country baby um and 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 i didn't even talk about the politics today so look look at that you got a pot you got a politics free podcast and all was well in the world so thank you everybody again for listening and watching we'll talk to you next week have a good one Bye bye